Section 64 of Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adele Pooley. Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts by David Alec Wilson. The Brief Biography of a Little Bear, Part 4. Breakfast at Yi-U. Life belongs to the living, say the wise. Whoever survives must be prepared for changes, and there is no misfortune so great that a person of sense cannot draw some benefit from it. That is true at times of bears as well as of men. For the surviving bear, in this instance, the sad death of her companion was not without a pleasant result. She was delivered from her chain and rejoiced in her liberty like a suffragette. That is why the story of her life is interesting and short. Incidentally, it might be a lesson and a warning to her sister mortals in petticoats and running loose. But, to be perfectly candid, that is not why it is written. I do not wish to claim any merit undeserved. I tell her story just because I liked it. It is often a pleasure to remember sorrow's past, as Enos reminded his shipwrecked companions by way of comforting them. But it may be doubted whether our heroine ever took much pleasure in the recollection of the breakfast at Yi-U. Three officers came to breakfast with her master, and her usual place at the table being filled, she moved about like a privileged child at a party. Suspecting no harm and intending none to any living creature, when one of the men at the table gave her the end of a cigarette, she ate it. Whatever else she scrutinised, she had always eaten without hesitation whatever was offered by the hand of man. So she swallowed the end of the cigarette and became very unhappy. There may have been moral as well as physical nausea. Who can read what passes in the brain of a bear or feel what is in her heart? She may have felt in a dumb, instinctive way what Schiller has articulated. Oh, she deserves to find herself deceived who seeks a heart in the unthinking man. She went and lay near the wall of the dining room, with unconscious dignity, averting her eyes from the merry party and making them laugh by her look of patient helplessness as she rubbed her stomach with her two forepaws. A pony was the next performer that morning. The dining room was on the level of the ground and the pony, running loose, came to the table as usual for a titbit. Send the beast away, was the impatient wish of a guest. Let us hope he was the hero of the cigarette. The host, who might otherwise have gradually given some bits of fruit, handed the happy quadruped a whole pineapple and bade him go away, intending thus to please his guest and yet not disappoint his pony. Pineapples are cheap in Burma. They are likewise very juicy and good. 
The lucky pet, who also had the easy confidence of a privileged person, began to roll the big pineapple in his mouth and was in no haste to depart. The mischief maker, if it was he, as we hope, made a gesture to quicken him, and the obedient animal, in turning, raised his nose above the head of the impatient man, and then there flowed down upon the man a torrent of mingled froth and pineapple juice, all churned together into a sticky milk. He howled and tried to dodge it, but was unlucky in his movements. The only result was that he received the torrent in two directions, while one stream ran down his face and anointed whatever took the place of a beard, the other ran down the back of his head and neck, even to the uttermost skirts of his garments. Then the bear was forgotten, and the other men began to laugh at the man who sat under the pony. They laughed the more when he lost his temper. Even the host did laugh, and let us, who can congratulate ourselves that we have never been guilty of such a breach of courtesy, be candid enough to consider, did we ever encounter such temptation? What enhanced the fun, and his affliction, was that instead of frankly facing the situation and going to a bathroom, he tried to clean himself at table. After exhausting the resources of civilization in the shape of handkerchiefs and napkins and finger bowls, he used towels, big bathroom towels, and still he found purification as difficult as ever did Macbeth. Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand? No, this my hand will rather the multitudinous seas incarnadine, making the green one red. But it was not a troubled conscience that dimmed his eyes. His bodily eyes saw perfectly. The trouble was the real adhesiveness of the mixture saturating his garments and his skin. The language of Macbeth, too, was refined in comparison to his, for as he glared at the laughters around him, he said, what I would not repeat, not even in an affidavit. Our heroine said nothing. She did not join in the laughing. She was generally fond of fun, but on this particular occasion, she seemed to be completely self-absorbed, as sufferers are apt to be. There are times when one craves to be alone. She turned her face to the wall and her back to the company. End of section 64